0: The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'm your host. I'm also the Director of Advancement and Admissions here at the seminary and a Divinity student. I have with me, joining me by Skype, Mr. Charlie Knave. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Charlie is a lawyer and a PCA ruling elder in the Roanoke area of Western Virginia. And he is joining me today because of an organization he is spearheading called More in the PCA. I'm going to leave it at that and dive into our first question and allow Charlie to explain to us what more is. And we're going to have a conversation about this that hopefully will be very informing, but also will encourage ruling elders, at least in the PCA, who are listening to this broadcast to seek out more information about MORE. Charlie, what is MORE in the PCA?
1: Well, uh, MORE in the PCA is an organization uh, that I uh, was looking for and uh, couldn't find, so I had to organize it myself. uh, uh, Our mission is to encourage ruling elders to be uh, as involved as possible in the courts of the denomination, specifically uh, general assembly and uh, presbytery. Um, I had been to my first general assembly last year in Greensboro and noticed that uh, ruling elders were outnumbered by teaching elders by uh, about a four to one margin. I think it was really 3.7 to one, but close enough to four to one. And, um, we were the ruling elders were kind of thin on the ground in Greensboro, and uh had we uh wanted to make our voice uh heard, uh we wouldn't have had the numbers to do so and It just struck me as very unpresbyterian uh it it didn't it didn't look like the the organization i'm sorry the denomination was really honoring um, a plurality of elders' principle when you know, roughly
0: 20 percent of the commissioners there were REs. And what does MORE stand for? I imagine the RE stands for ruling elder. What does the MO stand for?
1: MO is More Orthodox Ruling Elders. Uh, So it's, as every ruling elder knows, uh, we, you know, uh, are pledged to follow the peace and purity or work for the peace and purity of, uh, of the denomination. And you know, to me, that means uh, we want to stay within the lane and uh, not color outside the lines too much. And so, I'm I'm hoping to get that, uh, especially the folks who sense that there is a uh, a drift in the denomination to um, get involved and uh, be a part of, you know, keeping the denomination. You know, close to the confession as possible and, and you know, really thoughtful about, about the decisions we make rather than, um, you know, perhaps charging off in a direction that we may not have uh, considered from, from every appropriate angle.
0: Now, in the PCA's Book of Church Order, which are our documents describing how our polity works, how the denomination functions as a group of people— pursuing a common end of glorifying God and advancing his kingdom. In the BCO, um, you, we have described for us a plurality of elders and also a parody of, of elders that teaching and ruling elders are really regarded as two types of the same office, at least in the PCA book of church order, that's the case. Why is it that having four to one teaching elders at general assembly compromises this idea of parity between types of elders
1: well uh you know the the re's and the te's they're they're the same but they're also different you know it's it's one of those paradoxes of life uh but i i think one of the one of the gifts it's i don't think it's you know necessarily intentionally explicit in the bco uh but you know one of the um I think understandings behind our polity is that you know a, a a man who is called to to preach and minister to the flock has got a full time job doing that uh but the the ruling elders uh who are uh there to you know make the make the decisions about the direction of the uh, of the congregation and the denomination uh they're they're all, I guess, bivocational, you would call it. They've, they've all got uh, some other, um, you know, sustaining occupation that's, uh, you know, keeping their family moving forward. And that brings an entirely different perspective, I would argue, uh, than someone who is uh, called to full-time ministry. And so from merely that difference in perspective, I think you get a, a much more balanced um view about uh, you know any particular issue that comes before uh, general Assembly presbytery or even a session
0: now you 've given us uh... A couple words about the mission of more in the PCA. You're hoping to mobilize and activate the involvement of more ruling elders, right? Now, what what is what is the vision though? What do, what do you hope is the end result of getting more Orthodox ruling elders involved in the various courts of the church?
1: Ideally, we will uh, fill out our complement in um, in all of these courts that uh, you know each. Congregation gets a certain number of commissioner slots at um, at Presbyterian at General Assembly, and you know, oddly, uh, there is an upward limit on RE participation. You know, if there were a a giant horde of REs champing at the bit to to get to uh, General Assembly, uh, if they weren't just being held back by some arbitrary limit. Um, you know, it would be a, a real different matter, but you know, there's all sorts of reasons why REs don't go to a uh, general assembly and be happy to get into those later. But, uh, for TEs, there is no upward limit. As long as you are in good standing with your presbytery, um, and you can scare up, you know, the money to go to general assembly, um, you can go and and be a commissioner. And, you know, I think that's one, uh, one factor in explaining how it came to be that we're at a four to one, uh, disadvantage. Um, you know, and, and another consequence of that is, um, you know, there are certain commissioners at, uh, general assembly and pr- probably presbytery as well, depending on the presbytery, uh, that have, you know done what humans do and they've networked together and they've you know formed you know at least one um you know analog to a political party within the PCA and and it seems like uh party politics have have come in uh to the denomination and you know been there for years uh, as near as I can tell and it occurred to me that that's a bad thing that <laughs> we all ought to be working together and for us to be working together without factions and all um you need to have enough uh ruling elders there uh to to be a significant group uh for you know for our voices to be uh taken seriously and for us to be heard
0: and for this truly to be a representative assembly we need to have more of the men that make up the most basic unit of the church present. I mean, you go to a session, and most sessions in most of our churches, I think, are going to have one teaching elder, and then at least two or three ruling elders. And so, in reality, the PCA's governing courts are actually flip-flopped from what is reflected in General Assembly. We have probably more of a 4 to 1 ratio of ruling elders to teaching elders in the PCA whereas at GA it's 4 to 1 teaching elders to ruling elders and I think that's that's a problem for those of us looking to the future trying to figure out which way the PCA is going and, you know, what to expect in years to come, even as we trust the Lord to have his way and to bring glory to himself through his church.
1: Yeah, and the, the BCO has set forth certain thresholds for various committees and all um, to, to keep more of a, a parity between REs and TEs on, on a lot of the committees. Uh, uh, well, every committee except the ad interim committees, and of course there's an overture to, to address that at, uh, the, the Atlanta GA this year, but there is no such, um, uh, requirement threshold or maximum or anything like that, uh, to address the disparity at the general assembly. And, um, you know, it, once you allow, you know, that disparity out of the box, it, it can, you know, run around and wreak its will wherever it wants.
0: Now, what kinds of activities does more in the PCA engage in to fulfill its purpose? What are you guys up to? What What are you putting out there for people to to see and to uh, to engage with in order to encourage ruling elders to take an active part in what they've committed to?
1: Uh, well, two things. Uh, first of all, is raising awareness, raising awareness of what is going on through uh, throughout the PCA. You know, there's there are um, little, uh, you know, controversies, uh, successes, failures, uh, all over, uh, the PCA. And if you're, if you're not really tuned into some obscure websites, uh, or at least obscure from, I think, you know, most people in the pews vantage point, uh, you really have no idea what's going on. And, um, I grew up in a, uh, PCUS, PCUSA church and, um, of course, I was a a kid for most of that, and I was for sure not paying attention to what was going on elsewhere in the denomination. And of course, we didn't have websites back then anyway. Uh, but all of a sudden, you wake up one day and oh wait, we're ordaining women. Wait, we're um, this uh, same sex attraction is okay now. And uh, you know, if more people had seen that uh, coming at a distance. Um, it seems likely uh, that those changes would not have happened. And the PC USA would not have shrunk from, gosh, what, what is it? It I think it started at 4 million and now it's down to one and a half. Um, And it just troubles me that the same thing uh, could happen. I'm not saying it is, I'm not saying it will, but it could happen in the PCA if, uh, enough ruling elders and uh just plain old congregants uh ignore the the various uh news items that are flickering across the p c a s uh radar screen so so that 's one thing uh, we're we're mostly trying to spend a lot of time raising awareness because i I get the sense that if people knew what was going on, they would self motivate to get involved and uh to be a part of uh, you know keeping the the ship on course the other is we're going to be addressing just one of the um objections uh or factors that keep REs at home on uh, during general assembly um there's a lot of reasons why an RE would want to um would want to stay home uh you you know you're you're going to burn through four or five vacation days uh, the work's going to pile up at the office you're going to miss your family um, you're not as up to speed as uh, your TE is on all the issues and so on and so on and so on. Uh, and that's, that's not something that more has figured out a way to address on our own yet. However, there's a great many churches in our denomination that have fewer than, say, 150 uh, regular attenders. And when you're of that size it's uh it can be a bit of a heavy lift to scare up a thousand dollars per commissioner to send these commissioners to general assembly um the registration fee alone is four hundred fifty dollars um and then you you look at uh, four hotel nights in a uh you know a reasonably large city like atlanta uh and you you get to uh thousand dollars uh per commissioner before you even start talking about. Uh, an airline ticket which a uh, a lot of folks would need uh to get to some of these uh general assemblies so we're going to be raising money um <clears throat> to to help out some uh REs who uh whose congregation can't uh pay their expenses uh we've already been talking to to one RE and are hoping to uh, approve his application, so that uh, we'll we'll have our first, you know, RE stipend recipient or, or scholarship recipient, whatever we want to call it, at our GA uh, here in Atlanta. So that's that's mostly what we're doing is is raising awareness and fundraising to defray expenses.
0: That's excellent, and I, I think at least on this podcast before I was the host, there was much talk about the need for something that, that that was trans-presbytery, so it crossed presbytery boundaries to connect uh, larger churches with the ability to help defray the costs with these smaller churches that just cannot afford to send otherwise willing commissioners to GA. Now something that, that that strikes me about what you said in terms of your first you know, your first method, your first um tactic of raising awareness is, you know, we have the Aquila Report, we have By Faith, we have these others, you know, Reformed church, PCA church specific news outlets, and I know of a number of Concerned ruling elders in the PCA who follow these things are well aware of what's going on, and yet still choose to stay home. And I've spoken to them, and I've implored them to please go. Particularly men from you know my my neighborhood up near Philadelphia, and they just respond to me, Zach, I'm tired. I'm tired of it. I. I you know, I, I'm i willing to engage with it from afar, but I really have no appetite to go and waste my time in a trade show for a week just to get beat up by a bunch of progressives or whatever it is they say. How would you respond to a brother who is fatigued and exhausted by what at least he sees as
1: a fight? I would first you know, affirm him that, uh, you ought to be tired. Um, these are fights that have been going on in our culture for decades now. And, um, that the right side does not seem to be, uh, pulling these, pulling these out so well. Uh, so it's certainly dispiriting to see these fights be fought and lost. Uh, but, as near as I can tell, the PCA is the last institution I can find in the United States which uh, holds to the right side of these issues. Um, I don't know what's left if the PCA uh, succumbs to uh, some of this cultural rot that's out there. Uh, so it's important, and you know, it's our church. <clears throat> so it's really important for for the pca to to fight and and win these battles about uh what it means to be you know orthodox what it means to be biblical what it means to be confessional that's our whole purpose and more importantly um it's it's too late for you to say you're tired uh you've you've been called to be a ruling elder uh you've been ordained it's your job Uh, to look after the peace and purity of the church. Um, Come on down to Atlanta, come on down to to Dallas the next year. And I think it's Birmingham the year after that. It's a week. Uh, We'll try to make it as, as fun and bearable as possible. I mean, it's having gone to one of these, it's, it's really a, a very sharp contrast, the RE experience versus the, the TE experience that for a, for a TE it's it's kind of like homecoming and prom and a business meeting and uh you know some continuing education and a family vacation all wrapped into one. And for an RE it's pretty much just work. <laughs> Cuz you're not likely to know a whole lot of folks there. Um but uh I'm hoping that we can we can create a you know a, a you know once a year community that we can make this burden uh a little bit lighter uh b- because it is a burden but it's also important enough to bear and uh it's not going to happen if everybody decides they don't want to be the first one so we're we're going to have to you know take the first step and take all the steps after that until at some point there's going to be a tipping point uh where it's going to be a lot easier Uh, to convince REs uh, to come to these General Assemblies.
0: You know, Charlie, I I really appreciate how you put a lot of that, how you framed what it is you're doing, making this once-a-year community. Because, you know, last year was my first time visiting GA, and I picked up on a lot of the same things you did. There is so much content and activity curated for teaching elders and their families, and that is great. I'm not besmirching that at all. That's a good thing, even though it's coming from top down. But it, what is completely absent is any kind of focused ruling elder hospitality, for for lack of a better word. I mean, it's just it's not a hospitable environment for guys that are coming that don't know buddies from seminary that will be there, or men whom you know they've served in other presbyteries with across the country, and you know, there's just. Uh, there's not a whole lot of community there for ruling elders, and so I think what you're doing is is critical, and honestly, should be welcomed by people and in, in on every side of every issue in the PCA because it's just going to encourage a greater degree of hospitality and community in our church, and that that's a good thing. Now, speaking of the church, how would you characterize Moore's relationship? To the church, and maybe you could answer this by telling us who are the men behind more well right now it 's
1: me <laughs> i'm uh I'm reaching out to uh, contact a lot of uh different folks, and what i 'm hoping to do this week is to put together a board of directors uh who can uh, you know vote on these uh, applications for aid. And uh, since we've already got one, I, I feel like uh, one application, I feel like the the minimum uh, number of people on a board is going to be three, uh, as long as we're actually dealing with uh, real dollars. Uh, so, and I, I certainly don't want to go into their names because they haven't agreed to uh, or finally agreed to be a part of it. But by the end of, uh, well, the month to be uh, safe, we should have a, a small board of three and ought to be off and running uh, with approving um, these applications. Um, so right now it's just me and some of the folks that I've run across in this in this process. And um, it's been very interesting and, and really affirming and encouraging to talk to REs and TEs across the denomination uh, who have all said, this is something uh, that we need, I'm interested in doing this. I know this congregation or this donor who might be able to write a a substantial check and and help these REs that need their expenses paid. Uh, And all sorts of things are coming together, and I hope that it it continues to to snowball uh, to where we're up and running. And uh, we've got this load distributed out across a a whole bunch of shoulders uh, so that we can create this this once-a-year community and we can have you know, a a more of a parity between the REs and the TEs, uh, even at Presbytery. Uh, GA is really important, but so is Presbytery. You just never know when you go to these meetings what's going to come up. Um, Even though you've got the agenda in your hands, um, interesting things come up, and and, uh, sometimes, um, you know, you you look back on it on the minutes and think, gosh, I really wish that vote had gone a different way.
0: In the PCA's way of doing things, and a lot of folks seem to fail to realize this in conversations about what's going on at GA and a lot of the catastrophic, you know, apocalyptic language that gets thrown out there of the PCA is going down the tubes or whatever, is anything that happens at GA, if it's significant, needs to get dealt with at the presbytery level. And a lot of times, nonsense at GA doesn't go anywhere at presbytery. And you know we don't change things. For example, I think last year there was a recommendation that passed GA that we up the the quota of uh, of members that need to be present to for a congregational meeting to leave the denomination. And that that motion from GA, which passed, once it went down to presbytery, it got handily defeated in it in the majority of the presbyteries that actually brought it up for a vote. So it's still important for ruling elders to to be active in presbytery. And certainly the PCA's uh of such a size now that presbytery bounds make it relatively easy for most to get to presbytery meetings, at least most of the time. And so I, I appreciate that, that you're not losing sight of that as well, because the PCA is still very much a regional, a regionally focused and, and weighted denomination. It's, it's, centralized more now than it was in the past, but it's, it's not what, it's not something like the PCUSA is, or, um or other, other denominations, mainline or otherwise, that are really focused in, on the national level. Does that make sense? Yeah, it
1: does. It's, you know, once, once you, uh, you know, once the, you know, conservatives are, the right or whatever you want to call, you know, one side gets off the seesaw, then, you know, the seesaw just never, never gets off the ground on the other side again. And even though you have this, this grassroots kind of polity, uh, if the loudest voice is just one voice, then you essentially have a top-down organization. And, you know, I know I'm on the outside looking in, but that's kind of the way the PCUSA looks right now. Um, And, the PCA isn't anywhere near that. Um, and, you know, of course we'd like to, we'd like to, uh, you know, keep, keep a broad spectrum within the confession, uh, together within, within the church. Um, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, that the presbytery is often as important as GA, but you also remember that, you know, sessions, uh, have an ore in the water as well. If you, if you were at GA uh, last year, the Committee on Women and Worship—anyone anyway, knows what I'm talking about—but um, most of those recommendations were recommendations uh, for sessions to consider various proposals. And um, so this stuff comes up through sessions as well. And uh, if you don't, you know, if you don't have a context for following these issues, if it just pops up on your agenda one day, it's going to be hard to make an informed decision. Uh, when your when your session finally comes to consider these things,
0: yeah, as a, as a lawyer, you you're used to you know receiving and as a ruling elder, used to receiving dockets, combing through them, and, and and preparing cases and and these kinds of administrative things. A lot of ruling elders don't have professional experience doing this stuff. What advice would you give? to a ruling elder, first time at GA or not, who gets the big packet of business, the big old GA docket or whatever, and has to start combing through this to prepare for GA. How do you figure out what's important and what's not? And then how do you prepare yourself to be actively engaged, either listening or even speaking at General Assembly? Well,
1: I think probably the best thing you could do is to reach out to another uh, ruling elder or teaching elder who you you know is a little more engaged in all this and uh, ask them for what the highlights are and so you know you know this 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 three-ring binder that the that the administrative committee puts out is massive and um, a lot of stuff in it is not going to be is not going to show up on the on the uh, floor of the of the GA. So you would definitely want to have your, your attention focused beforehand. So I would, you know, get in touch with a trusted uh, fellow elder or uh, please come onto our website. We're at more the We're also uh, on Twitter at more in PCA um, and have a Facebook group as well. Uh, but as we come closer to GA, we're going to be talking about the overtures at least uh, we 've already endorsed two of them, and we're also going to be talking about any other issues we expect to be coming up so that folks know you know at least at a ten thousand foot level um this is the this is the issue this is the question, and uh this is you know the way we look at it uh so that would <clears throat> you know help you in in you know shortening the amount of time i mean that you're going to be spending on this the there are some committees that generate a whole lot of paper and they have to like review of Presbytery records, I believe is that's, they've got a lot to do. And, um, you know, you wouldn't want to start, uh, by reading their stuff, I think, uh, because it's, uh, you're going to get tired fast. Um, and you know, there was, there was a very interesting, uh, case that came up and it got the the most, uh, discussion and debate at G uh, at general assembly last year that came out of that very committee. Uh, but, uh, there's a whole lot there. So I would definitely want you or encourage folks to, to sharpen their focus early on. Um, don't try to, uh, jump in the deep end, uh, right away. Uh, just try to hit the high points and go to GA and, um, you know exercise your best judgment you know your your best RE judgment and the next time out uh the next GA the next uh presbytery um you're going to have a much broader base and you'll you know instead of being 60% of the way there you'll be 90% of the way there and it'll go on from there
0: from what i hear from the older wiser guys here at greenville seminary their advice is much the same get the high points don't don't go to your first one, two, or five, or even ten GAs looking to, looking to cause a ruckus, but listen, watch, and get a handle on as much as you can without overwhelming yourself. And uh, in due time, you know, you will, you will be able to be an active participant in, uh, in general assembly as the Lord has called you to do so. Now, Charlie, give me, answer me this. Uh, there are a few organizations out there now on various sides of of different issues in the PCA, seeking to push different agendas or at least advocate for different things. Does more in the PCA at this point have any relationships with like-minded organizations in the PCA that are either focused on ruling elders or on other constituencies?
1: Not yet. Uh, that 's what we 're we're trying to do is uh get out there and uh find who else is out there who has a compatible mission with ours uh partner with them wherever possible um because like i said we 're just getting started we 're uh still getting our legs underneath us we, we just wanted to organize uh so that we could get recognition of tax exempt status and start uh receiving um uh donations and of course you know a lot of donors want to want to be able to deduct them so uh we're kind of building from the ground up uh we've got a blank sheet of paper with just a few notes on it and we're trying to go from there uh building a contact list and everything
0: good well this is an exciting time for you as you get uh, a nonprofit off the ground especially one with such uh i would say uh important aims as as your group does have. Now, this is more of a philosophical question. I did an interview last year with Rick Phillips and Mel Duncan, who are on the session down here at uh, Second Presbyterian Church in Greenville. Dr. Phillips is a senior pastor. Mel is actually one of those rare birds. He's a full-time ruling elder. That is his job as the church administrator down at Second. He's also stated clerk of Calvary Presbytery. And Rick and Mel sat down with me to speak specifically about the Gospel Reformation Network, which in its aims seems at least complementary or have a shared affinity with more in the PCA, but is, is more geared toward teaching elders. And I had mentioned to them that friends of mine who stand outside of the PCA have characterized our Reformed and Presbyterian churches in general, not just the Presbyterian Church in America, but just all of them, as plagued by factions and factionalism. And our history, if we read, you know, Shawn Michael Lucas's For a Continuing Church or... Dr. Paul Settle's uh, book on the history of the Presbyterian Church of America, or Frank Smith's, or Morton Smith's, or any of these men, if you read their books, we kind of have to admit there's at least some truth to the caricature. We seem to operate in a, uh, an environment that breeds factions. But the PCA itself was birthed out of collaborative efforts at reform, executed by a small group of grassroots organizations that resemble... Moore and GRN and some other groups that are around. How is Moore in the PCA not just another faction in the PCA, or is it?
1: You know, it really depends on where you sit, I guess. Um, I tend to think of factionalism and especially the word politics as, as uh, you know, this is, uh, this is kind of a dirty word that we use uh, uh, against people with whom we disagree um, but the fact is that we're, a, all reformed churches are bottom up grassroots organizations. You know, there, we don't have a, a top down, um, episcopacy or, or, or some other kind of, uh, structure like that. And when you've got all these, you know, humans running around, even though they, uh, uh, Follow the same uh, standards uh, and uh, take vows to uh, uh, support the same or or adhere to uh, confessions and all. They're going to have disagreements about you know what does this mean? What does that mean? And so it's I think in just the nature of humanity uh, for us to to organize into you know affinity groups to use a more anodyne term uh, for these groups and sometimes these affinity groups you know become so uh uh robust that they they split off into whole extra churches and you know when you you make that comment about how the reformed and Presbyterian churches uh look like they're plagued by factionalism i I suppose if you looked at it from the outside and saw that there's an OPC and an ARP and an, you know, and a PCA and all this, yes, you would consider all those various factions that all call themselves Presbyterian. And that's before we even get to the reformed people or the people who call themselves reformed in the name of their churches. Um, yeah, you could, you could certainly say that, but, um, I think that, you know, this is, uh, merely a consequence of the way people relate to each other in in even small groups. I mean, you get to a large group and it becomes more complicated with, with greater groups and, you know, some or uh, or less uniformity. Um, and also, you know, not all of these disagreements are, are bad. Um, some of them are good. I mean, everybody who's involved in these disagreements thinks they're right. Um and uh you know and an impartial observer is going to agree with one side or the other or some of both uh but this is how uh this is how a a grassroots uh group uh manages its business i mean, I'm sure that if you went to um you know all the synods of the church um you're going to see factions um I know from reading about some of them there was definitely some in in the ones I've read about. So it's uh, you know, factionalism is just a, you know, an aspect of our, you know, sinful human nature and uh that we can say that everybody out there is uh, a sinner, but we also have to agree that in our own judgment, you know, we have uh we have more in common in terms of how we think the Confessions ought to be interpreted uh, with one side uh, than the other.
0: And if 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 I heard you correctly earlier, it wasn't just the the leftward drift of the PCA that instigated the formation of more. You know, you're not a reactive group or reactionary group, rather in that sense. But it was just this this disparity between ruling elder and teaching elder representation at General Assembly, and the resulting misrepresentation of our church. Is that right?
1: It is right, uh, because the the nature of a Presbyterian church is, is all wrapped up in a plurality of elders. It's about a lot more things as well, but it's definitely about that. And when you don't have a significant voice uh, from ruling elders— it's hard to call yourself Presbyterian. You're kind of something else. Um, you're, you're almost, you know, we're kind of verging towards a clerisy uh, when ruling elders are, you know, more or less spectators with uh, 20% of the voice at general assembly. And, you know, I would, I would argue, well, no, I'll, I'll say that the, the whole reason um you know, we want to encourage orthodoxy is because that's that is the agenda of every elder, not just ruling elders, but teaching elders as well. We are all called upon to protect and advance the peace and purity of the church. You know, to me, um that's that says orthodoxy. Purity involves uh a minimum uh to zero amount of error. Um and uh, that's just kind of the way I read the word. <laughs> and uh, I don't know uh, how everyone else is going to read it, but I, I think it's a fair way to see it. Uh, but yeah, that's our our goal is to get all REs um, to fill out those slots. Um, you know, we can't have, our session, for example, has, we have seven ruling elders on it, and but we're only allotted two uh, for a commissioner. I'm not saying that all seven of us ought to be at at GA, but we ought to at least fill those two commissioner slots every year um, on interest alone. So, um, yeah, we're trying to encourage greater participation from every
0: RE we can find. You know, for what it's worth, I, I was, I was never involved in Philadelphia Presbytery of the PCA. I was in Philadelphia Metro West um, as a candidate under care before I moved down here. But there was a church in philadelphia presbytery that seemed to stack its session with teaching elders and i always wondered you know what is that about is that because of a low view of ruling elders in the life of the church or is it because they want to be able to send as you know more and more and more people to uh to presbytery meetings and to general assembly to push a certain agenda i figured out it wasn't the latter because Most of those guys had no time for Presbytery or General Assembly, (laughs) (laughs) but um but i it's it just it, it was a curious way of of doing presbyterianism so to speak because my my concept of the ideal presbyterian church is going to have at least two ruling elders for every teaching elder and those ruling elders will be as involved in not just the macro shepherding of the church but also the micro shepherding of the church pastoral visitation in homes occasional teaching and preaching and and you know even hospital visitation of those who are entrusted in their care however the however the you know congregation is 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 divided up among elders um now you're a ruling elder at Christ the King Presbyterian Church in the Roanoke Virginia area and i know for a fact that you are committed to uh letting your progress be evident to growing in your, your competency as a ruling elder, and I would not be doing my job if I did not get a plug-in for the seminary's unique uh, ruling elder program here. Can you tell our listeners a, a bit about the program that you've started with Greenville Seminary last fall in order to increase your competency as a ruling elder?
1: As soon as I got on session, I, I realized that uh, I was at the bottom end of a very steep learning curve that there was a whole lot of things that I didn't know. And, uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, pursue a course of study, uh, to, to know how to be a better ruling elder. And, um, I, I also knew that me just charting my own path was probably going to be a big waste of time. Uh, I might get where I needed to be in 30 years, but I, I didn't want to wait that long. Uh, So I I thought that somebody must have solved this problem uh, before, and I uh, searched around on the Internet for a program tailor-made for ruling elders and found um, the Greenville program. Um, As near as I can tell, it's the only one. And uh, fortunately, it's within driving distance. It's a long day's drive, but it's driving distance for me for the few times um, we need to get down there. Uh, But it's a it's a great program that uh, uh, allows me to take one course at a time and fit it into um, uh, having a job and all the other stuff uh, a ruling elder is doing. And um, it I don't know if this is true, but looking at it, it seems like it's very similar to an MDiv program without the language and without the, uh, uh, you know, homiletics and, you know, uh, you know the the specific te stuff. It's it's uh, focused on theology and
0: ecclesiology, and um, some church history. The way you characterized it is is accurate. And with one amendment, you do I believe in that program. Take the pastoral counseling class, because that's a, that's a key part of being a ruling elder in your in your shepherding of uh, of the flock. So the. It's a 35-credit program, degree program. It's called the Master of Ministry for Ruling Elders, and each course is hand-selected by uh, by our faculty to really not just augment but edify your competencies as a ruling elder. And most of the classes, as Charlie put it, are dealing with systematic theology and with various aspects of practical theology you do take the Presbyterian Church History class, which is one of the more rewarding courses here, because you get a tour of Columbia and Charleston. But you're not you're not taking the languages or the homiletics courses. You know you can do it. It's the only program we offer it this way. You can do the the entire 35 credits online by distance, and that's because we are trying to make it as accessible as possible to men who are serving as ruling elders who have full-time jobs who have families and you know want to go to GA so have to use up some of their vacation time already for that and can't make it down here to Greenville and so if you're interested in that you can give me an email or send me an email or give me a call And it's zgroff at gpts.edu or call us at 864-322-2717. There is some information about the program online at gpts.edu. I need to put more up there. But um, I'm thankful, Charlie, that you're in it. And we also had, I think, a record number of men enroll in that particular program this year, we've only ever had a couple at a time. I think right now we have four or five. So we're excited about that. And it is technically housed within the Divinity Program because it is, it is for men ordained to ministry as, just as ruling elders, not as teaching elders. Now, I, I, I think we've covered a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of ground today in this short interview. This is a good introduction to more in the PCA. Do you have any parting words for us?
1: Well, yeah, I'd love it if uh, you all could, if you're interested in our mission, if you want to um, be more involved at General Assembly Presbytery and Presbyterian, you're already an RE or you're fixing to become one, please uh, go to our website, uh, moreinthepca.org, um, and get on our mailing list. There's a contact tab where you can enter um, the uh you know, enter your email address onto our mailing list. We're also on uh, Facebook uh, search for more in the PCA and Twitter. That's more in PCA of uh, everything, but the, the, uh, so that you can follow along and, uh, join us. We would, uh, love to have, uh, as many of you as possible at GA and, um, at Presbytery. If, um, if I'm going to see you there. So, um, you know, at this stage right now, all it takes is a a little bit of time to, uh, you know, get up to speed on the issues. Um, You may have, it may be too late in your church uh, to get you to go to GA this year. I think for most people, it's not too late. Uh, There's probably going to be several more meetings where you can elect commissioners. Um, And it's certainly not too late to uh, get in touch with us if you want a, uh, or if you need a stipend, or uh, some other kind of financial assistance uh, to uh, defray the expenses of General Assembly. We'd love to help
0: out and uh, see you there. Thank you so much, Charlie, and thank you for your labors toward Reformation in the Church.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
0: You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.